you need to eliminate the word work-life balance from your vocabulary because balance is complete BS. It's a big myth. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella and today I am joined by Kristen Brown. Kristen is a renowned speaker, a coach, an award-winning entrepreneur and best-selling author. She is the founder of Happy Hour Effect, a company that helps people ignite their work and their life. She is a professional speaker and media personality who has been featured on TV, radio, print, you name it, including Live with Kelly and Michael, Inc. Magazine, Psychology Today, and a lot more. She trains individuals and teams and entrepreneurs and people just like you to create low-stress, high-success game plans to achieve your professional and personal goals. And today, she's on air with Ella. Hi, Kristen. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. My goodness. I couldn't memorize all that. You know, I had to read it. Oh, well, you know, I wouldn't expect you to take all that time. It takes up time and we're busy, right? Okay, so tell me, was it fun being on live with Kelly and Michael? They were amazing. They were so friendly and the whole experience from beginning to end, the driver, the the producers, everyone was just amazing. It was, I couldn't say anything more positive about it. That's fun. And, you know, I love podcasting, but there is something just fun about television. Yeah. You know, it's fun to be kind of the glamour girl too. It's not when you're busy and I'm a a single mom, it's not very often where I get my hair done and my makeup done and I'm wearing nice clothes. So it was a fun glamour day too. Good. That's exciting. Well, Kristen, talk to everyone a little bit and tell them your story just so they can understand a little bit about you and where you come from. Sure. Well, it's a bittersweet story. So be prepared here for 30 seconds of ups and downs. I was in corporate America for 15 years and was married and had a 10-month-old baby. And unexpectedly, eight years ago, my young, healthy 30-year-old husband, Todd, died of a heart attack in his sleep the morning after my sister's wedding. So when I tell people that quick little sentence, there's usually kind of a dropped jaw and like, what? (laughs) What did you just say? Because they're not expecting something like that to have happened to a 30-year-old, healthy, former college athlete man. And It was that experience that kind of set me off on this journey to figure out how to manage stress, starting off personally and then dealing with some professional stress along the way as well as the economy tanked and I felt insecure in my job and all of that stuff that went along with the economic collapse. And so through that process of figuring out my own personal stress, people started coming to me and saying, how are you doing this? How are you I was still in corporate America. How are you working? I was going to school full time, getting my master's certificate and raising this infant daughter. And I mean, some of this is really a blur because after you lose someone close to you, there's a literal brain fog that comes over you. Sure. But people kept coming to me and I thought, you know, maybe I can help in a bigger way. Maybe that's part of my healing process. So I wrote my first book, The Best Worst Thing, which is a memoir about how I got through those first couple of years and started a business. And that then ended up hitting the Amazon bestseller list, which I had no idea how the publishing world worked. But that set me on my secondary journey of, okay, how can I make this a business? And that then evolved into what today is the happy hour effect. Wow. So you took that adversity and you turned it in, not just to your story, but you, your life's work now is helping other people sort of de-stress and get their life sorted. 
Exactly. Because, you know, stress is inevitable. Big and small stuff is going to happen to us every day until the day we take our last breath. But here's the thing. In between those stressful moments, we control what happens. We control our health, our happiness, the choices and decisions we make. So I'm really all about, you know, yes, stress is going to come along. But what do you do in the moments in between to make life amazing, even though that stress is inevitable every day. Kristen, I'm glad you said that because this is not a show where we pretend like there's no stress and what you really need to do is get everything prioritized and all Pinterest worthy and life will be beautiful. We try to keep it real here. So I'm glad that, you, that you've that you come out of the gate saying, you know, stress is going to happen. And what you're going to work with us today on just a little bit is helping us make sense of it. How do you help people? Well, the first thing I always tell people is you need to eliminate, completely eliminate the word work-life balance from your vocabulary because balance is complete BS. It's a big myth. If you think about your life that way, it feels like everything either needs to fit into work or everything either needs to fit into life. And when things don't fit into those pretty little packages, then we're like, why am I failing at this? Why does everybody else seem so perfectly balanced when really work is a part of life, right? So it's just all life. So I want people to just eliminate that word balance and instead embrace the word harmony, work-life harmony. And people say, well, that's such a cheesy word, but I'm going to give you an example of how this is so powerful. So think about a conductor of an orchestra. He's standing in front of all of his different instruments and he has to decide from moment to moment what instruments are louder, what are slower, what when it plays fast, what instruments take center stage and solo sometimes. And he just moment to moment says, okay, louder, softer, faster. And it doesn't mean all the other instruments, if the French horn is playing loudly, that the other instruments stop playing or are less important. They're still there playing on in the background, making the orchestra more beautiful, right? And life is just like that as well. We just have to decide from moment to moment, okay, I've got 800 things that I'm juggling. But right now I'm sitting at my desk and I need to finish this project and then everything else is still important, sometimes even more important. But right now, as the conductor of my own orchestra, here's what's important. And I call it the maestro mindset. But there's one thing that those maestros have to keep that orchestra on track, and that's their sheet music, right? So why as human beings juggling and orchestrating everything, would we not also need something similar? And so I created something called the life map. Very clever term, right? The life map. But it becomes our sheet music so that we know what to juggle and we know what to say, hey, you know, I do have a plan now for what to prioritize because prioritizing can be, you know, such a generic term. But when you know exactly what you're juggling, what you're orchestrating and what's out there, you can make decisions a lot more effectively. That analogy is just so spot on. I love that you shared that. But tell me what the life map is. Like, what does that what does that mean? How do you use that? Yes. So the life map and you can download it right from your show notes page. Because I'm going to send that to you and all of your listeners can actually do this. So it's it's going to be fun. But what it is, it's literally a brain dump of everything that you juggle and you're putting it down onto a piece of paper visually. So there's dreams on there. There's challenges. There's passions and commitments. There's core life and there's work and money. And as you download everything that you juggle, your errands, the chores you have to do, your projects, your kids' sports practices, maybe you have date night, maybe you have yoga slash wine club, there are all these things that that we sometimes forget that we do. And so when you get it all visually onto this map and then look at how it's all interconnected, it is a lot easier to say, okay, this thing over here is sucking a lot of my time and preventing me from this dream I have over here. And it makes it a lot easier and more clear to focus on where you really need to focus. 
Okay, well, I know a lot of people will hear that and it sounds good and they will never print it off. They'll say, I'm too busy to be jotting down all the things I'm busy on. What do you say to that, Kristen? Well, I always tell people that are in that mindset, because there's a lot of us, we're so busy and it's almost like the cool factor. The busier you are, the cooler you are. And I always tell people, well, this is your life. How often do you get a chance to spend, you know, five minutes or an hour? I do full day workshops on this life map to actually decide how do you want to feel when you wake up in the morning? How do you want your day to go? And what do you want to feel like when you crawl into bed at night? Do you want to just exhausted collapse into bed wondering where your time went at the end of the day? Or do you want to proactively say, oh my gosh, I did this, this, and this today, and that moved me forward with this, this, and this. And when I put it in those terms for people, they often say, okay, I'm willing to take five minutes to do this little exercise because it is the easiest exercise you'll ever do. It's literally taking your to-do list and your calendar and putting it into this little one-page map. And when you see it down like that, you can immediately see the connections and they can then immediately say, okay, well, there's where I need to focus and that's where I need to start shifting my energies. Well, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show, Kristen, is because a lot of people use their busyness factor or, you know, it's authentic. We are authentically busy, but they use it to stop taking care of themselves and they use it to um, take care of many other people very oftentimes and they stop taking care of themselves. So this is a show at the end of the day about fitness, nutrition and mindset, but really just living your best life. And at the end of the day, if you're so busy checking off boxes, there ain't no way you're going to be able to live your best life. That is why I think this stuff matters so much. So I have an idea. Get a life map buddy, just you and your friend or you and your colleague, and you guys print these out and do them just together. And I want to hear what you do. So you've got to share those success stories with me. Okay, so Kristen, let's move on because what I really want to talk to you about is something that we are chronically suffering from and it's affecting us mentally, it's affecting us physically, it's affecting our relationships, it's affecting our performance, it's accelerating our aging process. And that is stress, 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 and more stress. Oh yeah, stress. It's such, it's like this generic word that holds so many connotations, but stress actually is a good thing in the short term because stress is a biological response that our bodies have when something is out to harm us. Our brain perceives, oh, you know, like the caveman, oh, saber tooth tiger, shoot, I got to either kill this thing or run away or I'm dead. That was true stress. And it's his body would kick out stress chemicals that would help boost his heart rate, get his muscles ready for fighting, boost his respiration, his perspiration, so he could get ready to either kill that saber-toothed tiger or run away. That stress is super important. And today our bodies respond identically to the cavemen when our brain perceives something is out to harm us. Whether that is something big and massive, hopefully no saber-toothed tigers for anybody, (laughs) but whether it's something like, shoot, I'm stuck in traffic, your body kicks out those same stress chemicals. In today's world, though, like cavemen, they had, you know, hunt, gather. They had like three things they had on their to-do list. Today, we have hundreds. And so we're always having that stress response kicked in and stimulated in us. And we've got those stress chemicals circulating all the time. And that is not something our bodies are designed to handle. When that happens over time, what's going to happen short term is the things we all experience, mood swings, short temper, headaches, stomach aches, insomnia, appetite issues, all of those kind of first early signs of stress. But when you let it go on too long and when you let that stress build up and up and up and you're not doing anything to help lower or mitigate it, 
it starts to cause massive damage down to the cellular level of your body. And it's directly been linked by researchers at every leading institution, directly linked to the leading causes of death, to making pre-existing conditions worse, damaging relationships. So it's, it's much, much more damaging than just an inconvenience for us. It's actually causing widespread damage and it's really become an epidemic. But so that's the ugly side. But at the same time, we just said everybody has stress in their life. Like stress is the biggest, fattest word, honestly, that you can throw out there. And a lot of things fall under the umbrella that is stress. So you made an important distinction, which is stress is good and stress is bad. Um, Or actually, it's the lack of distinction that can be confusing, isn't it? But, you know, exercise is stress on the body. Um, Traveling on an airplane is stress on the body. Traffic is stress on your mind and even on your body. So all of these stressors are good and bad. How do you know when you're just completely out of whack? Because stress is there, Kristen. We agreed on that. It's not going anywhere. Exactly. So it's really making sure that you're aware of how you personally respond to stress and really noticing how you're feeling and saying, okay, I'm going to take a minute here to just stop and check in with myself and see, okay, how is my life going right now? Am I behaving and acting in the way that I want to behave and put myself out into the world? What kind of energy am I putting out? And that's hard for people because we're so busy, because we're moving so fast. We're always thinking about what's next. And so when that happens, that busy, fast forward motion all the time, We don't focus on how we are doing at the moment to ensure that what we're doing, behaving, our health choices, our relationship choices, and everything that we're putting out into the world at this moment is helping to get us where we want to be later. We don't realize that this busyness and this constant stress, how much is actually affecting our health and our ability to perform. Yeah. And, you know, when you're not feeling quite right, you have brain fog or you're having digestive upset, you don't make the right food choices either. It's really just this vicious circle that kind of drives this stress epidemic that's happening. Well, I want to pull out one more physical clue. Actually, two. The first one is short. I'll keep it brief. That is uh, premature aging or accelerated aging. Do you have anything to say about that? Oh, baby, yeah, I do. I do an entire program on this, actually, because stress directly impacts our appearance and our aging. And I'll tell you why. So when you think about a little baby and you pinch the back of a little baby's hand and it's bouncy and kind of chubby and just bounces right back. But then if you go pinch the skin on the back of an older person's hand, maybe your grandma, your great grandma or grandpa, and you pinch it, the skin almost kind of stays. And that's because the collagen is broken down naturally by aging. The stress chemicals that we are circulating more and more and greater and greater quantities breaks down that same collagen faster. So not only is that impacting the back of your hands, but your face, there it sags faster. When you're stressed out, you're making the repetitive cranky face motions, which leads to wrinkling. And, and the stress chemicals also lead to skin problems like acne, and it makes eczema, psoriasis, any sort of skin condition worse. So stress directly impacts how our bodies look and how they age. And Stress also signals our bodies to hold on to fat. So that is a legitimate thing that we see out there all the time, but it is truly driven by biology and by the cavemen because when temperatures dropped, when daylight hours were shorter, our bodies would say back in those days, oh, winter's coming, food might be scarce, I better hang on to these calories because I might need them to keep warm, to fight predators, to hunt, to find food. And today the same thing happens by any time stress chemicals are shot through our body. So if you're suffering from kind of that extra 10 pounds that won't seem to budge and you're super, super stressed, there could be a direct link. 
<laughs> well, now we've got people's attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, stress will kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes me a little bit short with my loved ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wrinkles? <laughs> Forget about it. Okay, well, and, and one more indication that I'll touch on briefly. This is me personally. I, I notice that if I'm particularly stressed or over busy, I breathe very, very shallowly. I'm I'm not actually drawing oxygen all the way down into my lungs and into my diaphragm. Do you know anything about that? Oh, yes. One of the things that stress chemicals do to the body is it increases respiration rate. And that is because we need more oxygen to help fight the saber-toothed tiger, right? So those stress chemicals are increasing your respiration rate and you're not breathing as deeply because the stress chemicals are causing that. So it's, it's legit. And, you know, stress... When you're not getting enough oxygen to your body, it puts your body into that state of inflammation. And that's a massive, massive cause of health conditions and leading causes of death. Well, so guys, one of the reasons why Kristen and I are talking through this is because I really want to paint a picture of what stress really is. Because frankly, I suffered and I'm reforming. I wouldn't call myself reformed. I suffered from the illusion that stress equals high performance and that stress and busyness is like some kind of badge of honor and i wore it proudly and and again i'm i don't mean to make it sound like i'm on the other side of this this is something that i manage in my life on a regular regular basis and i know that um you there listener can relate to what i'm saying which is why i'm sharing my experience with you because so many of you have told me this so i wanted to do two things with Kristen. i wanted to share with you some of the real ways that this is showing up in your body and in your physicality and in your relationships but also i want to just be really honest and say we love it, right? We're addicted to it, Kristen. We think we're important if we're busy. True or false? True, true, true. Everyone says, I hear this all the time. I overhear conversations or people say this to me and I've heard myself say it. Oh yeah. I'm, I, someone says, oh yeah, I have this, this, this going on. Oh yeah. Well, listen to this. Listen to what I have going on. And it's like this one upsmanship to see who can have more stuff going on. And that is not the way to go. That is not a winning way for your health, for your relationships, or for your happiness, because you're, we're stacking too much on top of each other. And it's just, it's so damaging. Well, I know that this busyness as a badge of honor thing has been so a part of the American culture and the Western world that it's hard for us to really, really, really peel that onion back in our own lives. Because I'm sitting here telling you that I understand what stress does to the physical body and the mental state and relationships and performance. I understand all of that. And if you think that I'm going to get off of our talk today, Kristen, and like go outside and breathe deeply and do yoga for 20 minutes and get a massage, like it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And for most of us, that's not reality. We do true. We're truly busy. There are so many demands on us just because of technology and our jobs and the stuff that our kids are demanding of us and our spouses and our coworkers and our social lives. We truly are busy. But what you can do is you can say, all right, I'm juggling a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff here that I have to do. But there are some things that we often get guilted into that we do because other people expect us to do them. Things that don't necessarily energize us, that don't lead to happiness or health for us or our loved ones. 
but yet we commit to these things just because of that guilt factor, that's the first place I have people start when they're feeling truly overwhelmed and overstressed and over busy is, okay, let's go through, we always use their life map. We say, let's look at everything on here. What things on here are you doing because someone else has guilted you into it. And I laugh when people say that their volunteering causes them stress because that's one of the top complaints I get from people with their time suck. And I'm like, the word volunteer means you're voluntarily doing it. And then they kind of step back and they're like, oh yeah, but I think it's going to make me a bad person if I don't want to volunteer. It's like, well, find something else that lights you up, that energizes you. And so it's really about saying, okay, of all of these things that I'm doing, am I truly doing it for myself and my loved ones, because nobody else is looking out for you. When you say yes to someone else, you're saying no to something in your own life. So let's talk about that for a minute, because it's very, I mean, do what makes you happy versus be of service to the world. I mean, is it possible to have both of those things as your objectives? And if so, how? Absolutely, you can do both. I'll give you an example. When I first, when my daughter started kindergarten a couple years ago, I had a friend who was the president of the PTA and really she wanted me to join. And I knew in my heart of hearts, I'm kind of an introvert and I'm not great at selling raffle tickets. I'm not great at, you know, selling wrapping paper. And I felt guilty. I felt extreme guilt for not wanting to volunteer as being part of the PTA. But I do feel passion volunteering for the Heart Association. My husband died of a heart attack at the age of 30. So I'm really passionate about educating young people about the dangers of heart disease. And so for me, I can help the world, but I want to help the world in something that impassions me, that makes me feel lit up and not something that drags me down because it's not just the hour of the PTA meeting that would drag me down. It's the dread leading up to it. It's all the emails that would be going back and forth. So there's this halo effect around those things that we do out of guilt, where it's not just the time, it's it's all of the things that go around it as well. So you can still help the world, just do it in a way that lights you up, that helps you and your family. All right, I wanna talk about multitasking. I am the queen of multitasking and I even have a theory. And my theory is it's okay if I'm doing three things at once, quite literally, because it actually sharpens my focus so I'm not distracted because I'm, I'm very distractible. So if I can just do these three things all at the same time, then you will in some sick way have my full attention. It, the logic really worked for me. And now <laughs> it turns out I'm only like 99.9% .9 wrong about that. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of research on multitasking, and I've always said I'm the queen of multitasking as well. Turns out that is not something we should be bragging about because here's what's happening, and I can't take credit for this statistic, but it turns out if you're working on, you have a list of things that you need to work on, you're working on one thing, it's getting 100% of your attention and your brain power. If you add a second thing and you try to do two things, it's not 50% on one and 50% on the other that you have of time and brain power. You actually are only spending 40% of your brain and time on one and 40% on the other because 20% is being lost in the switching between, trying to recalibrate, like where was I at again? What page was I on? Where's that website? And getting recalibrated to what you were doing as you shift between the two. So you're losing 20% of your time. You add a third thing, a fourth thing, a fifth thing. Once you're up to five things, you're actually losing 70% of your time in the switching between. So multitasking seems like a good thing, but you're actually losing massive time in the process. 
Well, and also it kind of makes you a crappy person. And let me tell you what I mean by that. When I have decided that I identify as a multitasker, then that gives me an excuse to do so many things or to not do so many things. So let me tell you what I mean. First of all, I am busy and girl, I can get it done. I am extremely productive. Productivity is not my problem. Fine, great. What that means is I can exaggerate that. I carry it through my whole life and I do things like this. Oh, sure, I'll have a conversation with my son while my face is in my laptop because I'm perfectly capable of multitasking so that my son spends 45 minutes of his day speaking to my forehead. Another <laughs> example. <laughs> um, yes, I'm having a conversation with you over the telephone while I'm also updating my website because I'm a very, very good multitasker. And no, I didn't necessarily pick up on the nuances of everything that you just said. By the way, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that. But what I'm realizing is, you know, my husband might be trying to engage with me about something that is important to him. And frankly, maybe it's a little bit more interesting to him than it is to me. Well, he's going to know that because I will be doing two other things at the same time. Like all of that added up, crappy person. Not really, but you know, like that's yeah. not who I want to be and that's not how I want to live. And again, I'm using myself as an example because I know so many people are nodding their heads or, you know, hanging their heads with, with me over here in our corner of shame. I, I, I'm shaming right now too. And especially the technology that's computers, the phones, you know, we spend at least 90 minutes a day on our phones and there's actually an app that you can get that tracks how many minutes you're spending on your phone. And when I did it, I was so embarrassed because I really pride myself on disconnecting. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'd spent 250 minutes on my phone today. And I'm like, what was I doing? But it's interesting. There was some research done that infants, brand new babies are seeing their mother's faces and they are associating their mother's faces with a cell phone. What? And yes, isn't that the most disturbing thing? Because mom, you know, you're when you're a new mom, you're holding your phone, you're playing on your phone and babies are seeing the back of the phone instead of their mom's face. And that, when I read that piece of research last year, that immediately, that's when I started to say, I'm going to be disconnecting more. I need to focus on the humans around me. The point is get your phone put away because we're spending so much time there and it's sending messages to the people around us. The people assume that we think they are less important than what is on those screens, whether it's a laptop or a TV or a phone. Gosh, I'd be embarrassed to know how much time I actually spent on my phone because it doesn't matter how I make a living. It's too much. Like I definitely spend way too much time with that little device, but mm -hmm. we, we can use that busyness, which we wear as a badge of honor. We've already agreed on that. We use it as an excuse, in my opinion, to just not do things that are harder or more arguably more important. What do you, what do you say? Oh yeah. I, it, it, it's amazing what we can find to do when we have something we don't want to do. And it's like the procrastination. Multitasking is like the the love child of procrastination. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that it's really important for people to look at everything, whether you use a life map or whether you're just sitting here thinking, what is all the stuff that I juggle to really say, you know, what would move me forward in my life? Whether it's something small like getting to work on time or spending the afternoon with your kid, or losing 20 pounds, or paying off debt, whatever it is, what is one tiny little thing you can do right now to move that forward instead of, oh, I'm going to clean the bathroom quick, or I'm going to go check Facebook. Think about your goals and that long-term feeling. And what if you went to bed tonight and you had accomplished something to move your go big goals forward? I think it's just about making those choices that are actually going to move us forward. Because when we're prevented from reaching a goal, that's when stress sets in. 
Kristen, I'm so passionate about this because I, if I can do nothing else in this world other than encourage some people to move their own needle from, you know, just living to thriving and feeling passionate about something in their lives or feeling like they're really truly living their best life. Like, you know, that is my mission in life. That brings me to the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about today. And that is about prioritization because that's what this all, that's the answer, right? That's sort of the magic bullet here is being able to prioritize. So what are some real tips and practices you can share with us to help us prioritize or help us think about how to prioritize? I always look at prioritizing, whether it's a to-do list or big stuff that you want to accomplish, and look at how that thing would have a ripple effect in your life. So, for example, I worked with a guy who really wanted to quit smoking, and he smoked three packs a day. He was smoking a lot, and he was, he was smoking to reduce stress. He was in a really stressful job, and I said, dude, you're not going to be able to quit smoking right now while you're still in this really stressful job. So I worked with him and gave him some tips on, and he ended up finding a different job and naturally he started smoking less so that then when he was down to one pack a day, then he said, okay, now I'm ready to quit. So it's finding the thing, the real root of a cause that's going to have the biggest ripple effect across your life. For him, it was finding a different job. For me, you know, it's about feeling healthy and, and confident in my skin and, and, and I know that everything that I do should ladder up to that. So it's thinking about the big goals and the little steps that you're taking to ensure that those goals remain front and center and that all the other extraneous stupid things that don't ladder up to those bigger goals, let them go. So if I can just kind of bring this full circle for everybody, what we're really saying here is just stop and spend five minutes, spend one hour, spend an entire day and actually acknowledge where you are, acknowledge where you want to be, and then determine what needs to change in, in the gap. What, what is the gap between those two things? At the end of the day, isn't the big distinction here between people whose just life passes them by or they look up and 20 years have passed and they don't know what just happened versus those who really feel like they made every day count. The difference is really that you stopped, I think, and you asked. Yeah, it's consciously choosing what you want your reality to look like. Well, and don't confuse motion with progress. You've probably heard that before, but that's something that, that I remind myself of regularly. Do, motion does not equal progress. And so you can be busy, 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 and that's not moving you forward, then it's just motion. Yeah, nailed it. I love it. All right. What habit would you like us to all try for one week, Kristen, to, that, that falls in line with this theme? Okay, so this one is, you're going to laugh at first when I say it, and it's called the power pee. So when you go to the bathroom during the day, for most of us, it's like speed. You have to go, oh, shoot, you jump up from your desk, you run to the bathroom, you go as fast as you can, you wash your hands as fast as you can, you get back to your desk, back to whatever you were doing, right? And it's just sort of like this mindless thing. I want to challenge people instead to shift that pee time is me time. It's a power pee. You slow down. Shoot, I have to go to the bathroom. You take some breaths. And as you're walking to the bathroom, you think, okay, where am I at today? How's my mood? How do I feel physically? What's my attitude like? How are people treating me? Am I putting out the right energy into the world? What goals do I have to accomplish today? Am I doing the right stuff? Then while you sit there or stand there, just then taking an extra moment to just say, okay, what can I do to make today better? If you're off track, how can you course correct? If you're doing great, how can you continue that momentum? Wash your hands. Take some deep breaths. Deep breaths through the nose. 
it stimulates the vagus nerve down the back of your throat that helps relax you, lowers your blood pressure naturally. So just take some deep breaths through your nose, walk back to your desk, get back to what you were doing. But if you can do that every time you go to the bathroom, that's one to 10 minutes of me time a day where you're stopping, like we said earlier, how important that is, where you're stopping and checking in with yourself to say, am I on track? So that's something that if I could have, ask everybody to do something for a week, try it, even if you only do it once a day. I love it. I know some people do things like create reminders in their phones for five minutes every hour, and they might stand up, walk around, and um, have this you know, similar conversation or train of thought. Um, yours is just like a built-in system. Yeah, yeah, because you're already sitting there alone, so or standing there alone, theoretically. So I mean, I'm embarrassed to tell you that I've had days uh, when I'm working with a client where I will be on site at their place, and I mean, I can't even, I can't, I don't even make the time to go oh, do yeah. what I got to do. I mean, that's ridiculous when you oh, think yeah. about it. Ridiculous. We, so I we've love all it. we've all been there, but if you can flip that that pee time to me time, you'll 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 make time. <laughs> All right, don't judge. I'm going to do that. Okay, what is one resource that you would like to recommend to us? I love TED Talks, but I also, I don't recommend books a lot because they're so personal, but one book that really changed my life is 101010 by Susie Welch. And in that book, she challenges you, she helps you make decisions, helps you get over worry by helping you look at any decision or change you want to make in your life and looking at the consequences, both good and bad, in 10 minutes, 10 months, and 10 years. Because when you take away the worry and wonder about what might happen, it takes away a lot of the fear that leads to the stress over making the change or decision in the first place and helps you move forward. So that's definitely one of my favorite books of all time. All right, fantastic. I will link to that in the show notes at onairwithella.com. And then I have a question that I don't ask everybody, but I'm going to ask you. That is, do you have an app that you recommend? Yeah, well, the app I mentioned earlier about tracking how many minutes you're on your phone was a massive wake-up call for me, and it's called Moment. It's free, and it tracks how many minutes you are spend, actively spending on your phone a day. And, man, it, it it was definitely a big slap in the face when I realized, you know, I thought I was being mindful about my phone time, but really it was still sucking a lot of my hours. I'm scared of that, and so therefore I'm going to try it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kristen, I really appreciate this. And we'll put your life map on the site. Thanks for sharing that with everybody. Yeah, if anybody has any questions about it or wants to go a little deeper, email me and I'm happy to clarify any questions that you have. Kristen, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.